You're listening to The Novice Experience, a podcast that explores the opportunities and challenges commonly encountered by students and young people. I'm Calvin Chan, and chatting with my guests, I'm going to take a deep dive into their meaningful stories, the lessons they've learned, and how they can inspire others. Let's get going. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Novice Experience. I'm your host, Calvin Chan. Today, uh, my guest is Jesse Xie. He is the host and producer of The Uncooked Rice Show, a podcast that explores the journeys, experiences, and insights of Gen Z Asian Americans. He is currently a student at Carleton University located in Ottawa, Canada, and is studying for his Bachelor of Public Affairs and Policy Management majoring in economic policy and minoring in psychology. Hi, Jesse. Welcome to the show. Hello, Calvin. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on here. I'm really excited to have you today because um, your podcast um, is really closely related to um, this show um, because you really focus on young people and you you talk about the experiences and the stories of being a young, young adult and student in north america and what that feels like and you're focusing on specifically you know asian people as well so that's very interesting i I know that we're going to find a lot of uh, synergy between our podcasts Um, but before we start um, i'd like to ask um, for a brief origin story so um, you know where you're from your background and some of the most defining experiences that make up who you are today right um Origin story. I really like that term. Um, makes me feel like a hero, I guess. Uh, <laughs> makes my life feel more special than it actually feels like. Right? Um, so for me, my name is Jesse Sia. I am a Taiwanese-Canadian. Uh, my parents and I immigrated to Canada, to Vancouver, BC, when I was roughly like three or four. Uh, for me, I think some of the most defining moments in my life were, I guess, subtle moments, I'd say. like um, I know a lot of people have these very... Um, I guess big flashy moments where you know they might have like a sudden, I guess spark in their life. But for me, it's always been subtle moments that have been had a bigger effect or bigger impact on my life, right? And for me, it's always about life lessons that I've learned. And so for that to answer your question, I feel like these moments would probably be when I started getting more involved into trying to figure out what my heritage means, right? What my Asian culture means for my own identity. Um, I think that plus when I first, I guess, stepped into more leadership positions, did that have a bigger impact on my life? Because for me, I've always been a, I guess, a person who liked exploring interests, but it wasn't until I stepped into leader positions, whether it's in my school or community, did I realize that um, being involved in teamwork, being involved in, you know, helping mentoring other students and other kids, did I realize that this was something that I was passionate about, something that I was interested in. And then lastly, of course, it's definitely starting my podcast, I'd say, um, that has really helped define who I am and try to you know, push for more exploration of who I am as a person, individual, and as an Asian Canadian, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you say subtle moments, um, what was one of the most significant subtle moments that um, really made you, um, you know, ad- identify with your heritage? I think... That's a good question. For me, it was more so that one day, I think, um, after a, a few years of, you know, um, I guess, in a sense, internalized hatred for being Asian, because I grew up sort of stuck between two worlds where, you know, my family was very traditionally Chinese, right? Um, we didn't have a lot of um, westernized 
friends or fam close family friends. And so I went home, you know, speaking Mandarin, you know, engaging in a lot of Chinese traditions and heritage. But when I went to school, on the other hand, you know, I was surrounded by um, friends who were mostly Westernized, you know, people who've lived here for a few generations now. And so trying to find that balance was difficult for me. And so I think um, it wasn't until I, I think, slowly started to realize that who I am as a person isn't really defined by that discourse between those two cultures, but rather, I guess, a culmination of the two, did I start to really be more comfortable with who I am and who my uh, identity was in terms of what my culture was. Yeah, definitely really relatable to me as well. You know, I, f- I felt like um, perhaps I was hiding sort of the the Chinese heritage, but as I got older and as I matured, I started sharing some of the, um, you know, some of the uh, lessons and the traditional learnings from um, my heritage with other people, you know, in the workplace and at school. And it was really cool to be able to combine sort of um, the traditional way of thinking, but also the Western and the new new lessons that I've learned that I've picked up in society. So, um, yeah, you're really right. Like it, it really uh, becomes a culmination of both cultures together that make up who we are. And I'm sure we're going to get back uh, to that uh, more in later in the episode, but I'd like to move on to our segment called Give Me Five, which is uh, a lightning round of questions. Um, and you, you know, you can give short or long answers. You don't have to explain or elaborate your answers, um, but it, it just uh, helps our listeners uh, get to know you more. Um, so question number one, if you could have an unlimited amount of something, what would it be? Uh, a limited amount of something. I think a limited amount of, um, oh, airplane tickets. Okay. I think that for me is really something that I would like because um, as in, as I'm trying to explore more of my Asian culture, I think, well, I'll try to tie it back to the whole Asian, um, culture thing. It's, um, as I'm trying to explore more of who I am as a person, I've come to realize that it's been difficult. It was difficult when I was growing up trying to figure that out because I was so, I guess, enclosed in a few small specified environments. Right. And I only had those few sources, like those one or two sources where I could draw upon, I guess, an understanding of what being Chinese men or being Canadian men, right? And it wasn't until I started meeting more people, meeting more perspectives, did I realize that there is so much more for me to learn, so much more for me to understand and develop, right? And so wow. if I had an unlimited amount of airplane tickets, um, I feel like I could travel the world, meet new people, you know, draw on more inspirations from different sources that don't just confine me to a certain understanding of or a certain, I guess, paper perspective of something, right? Wow, that's really deep. Uh, well, following up, what's a city you wish to visit then? Ooh, um, I have actually been talking to a friend about this recently just because of COVID. Um, we've all been trapped, right? And wow. because of lockdown. And so we were talking about places to visit. And I think for me, um, I would definitely like to visit, I guess, Italy, I think. Because um, for me, I've traveled a lot around different Asian countries. Um, like Philippines, Japan, Taiwan. And so um, I'd like to explore more of, I guess, Southern and sort of Western uh, Europe as well, just because um, there's so much more perspective. I feel like I could learn from that. Right on. Good. Uh, When are you the most productive? Um, When I feel pressured to be productive. 
<laughs> which is yeah. Um, I am a naturally lazy person, and, and I yeah. yeah, I procrastinate too much. I feel like, and so I feel like a lot of people can relate to this. But it, it's not yeah. until like I feel like I have to do something do I you know force myself to actually do it right. Um, I it, it obviously is a habit that I'm trying to get rid of, but um, I there's a saying that I like to say that I joke around with. It's like you know, um, if there's only a minute left of something, you only you'll have a, you'll finish it in a minute, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, we speak in terms of the laws of physics, right? F equals to ma. So yeah, um, without force and pressure, <laughs> you won't be moving. So yeah, you know, pressure. You know, people work differently, but I, you know, I also felt like working under pressure really makes me the most productive too. Um, what's your go-to comfort food? Um, nachos. Ooh, yes. Nice. Um, have you had a lot of that over COVID shutdown? I have. Yes. Um, it's just you know bags of chips at home with cheese and tomatoes. It's yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, it's been a long year, Jesse, in 2020. But you know, looking ahead, what's one goal you'd like to achieve heading into the new year? Definitely making more connections. I think, um, especially in university, and I think you'll find this very common among university students, especially first years, um, it's that COVID has really put a a restriction or a confinement on making new friends. Um, And, you know, as I guess people feel more pressured to get ahead in, I guess, the career or their university path, you know, it a lot of it comes down to making connections. And that's something that I would like to improve on in the upcoming year, if COVID allows, of course, but. Yeah, fantastic. And we'll, we'll get into more of that later on too. Maybe you have some insight and advice on how, how to, you know, build up relationships with other people. Um, but yeah, like you, like I said earlier, you were studying economic policy um, as part of your Bachelor of Public Affairs and Policy Management um, in our nation's capital, Ottawa. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about you know how you got into um, the school Carleton University and also um, this program? Right. So um, when I was, I guess, in high school, still trying to figure out what I wanted to do for university, I was sort of had a list of options, but I never really knew which one to go into. And I knew I had an interest in specific fields like psychology, um, politics, you know, history. Uh, a little bit of business too and finance, but um, I never could figure out what exactly it is that you know I wanted to pursue. Like especially since university, you have basically have four years of your life planned out, and you have to pay for tuition, right? So it was a big decision. Yeah. Um, and I think sometime in grade eleven, late grade ten, a friend actually came up to me, and um, they had they had heard of this program at Ottawa at Carleton, and they thought I'd be interested in it. And turns out I did some researching. It was, uh, fortunately enough, it was an, like a perfect fit for what I was interested in. Right? And it just sparked, I guess, something in me. And it just clicked. Um, in terms of, I, did you want to know more of like the technical aspects of how I got in? Or was it just that? Um, well, I, I wanted to know more about the, the personal aspects. So right. how, like, how did you, um, you know, decide to apply for this program, what happened, what sparked your interest, and also moving away from home, right? Um, obviously, you're taking a risk as a young student to to be independent um, and moving to the other side of the country. How did all, all of that come together? Right. Um, I'll start by, I guess, saying I, I knew very early on that I wanted to move out. Um, okay. And I think... W- 
for me, it was always been like, you know, if I wanted to, if I was able to move out, um, it would be much easier for me to move back to Vancouver with my family uh, compared to if I stayed in Vancouver, right? Because if I stayed, I most likely would have never have left. And that right. to me, I think was a, like, I, I guess a big help towards deciding my university because for me, moving out was always the main goal because I wanted to meet new people, right? I knew like Vancouver, as big as it is, you know, it, it, there's only so much you can do, right? Um, I think moving out definitely w- opened up more doors, more opportunities for me. So that was a big draw. In terms of Carleton itself and the program itself, um, you know, with research, I found out that, you know, not only was the program pretty flexible, it was definitely really structured compared to most, which is a big contradiction if you think about it. But um, for me, I think I was always scared of the idea of not knowing what to do. Like I I, I have this, I guess, um, control issue in a way where I want to have, want to feel more like I'm in control of my life. Yeah. Um, And so going in, like thinking about university, it was like, I didn't really want to go into a, just a general arts degree and sort of having to pick out what I want by picking out the courses and then figuring out later on what I want. Right. So I've always wanted Mm -hmm. to figure out exactly what I wanted to do or like a pretty structured sense of direction before I headed into university. Um, And the program itself managed, let me do that because of it. Well, one, because of its structure, but also two, because of its um, history. So it has a history of having really good co-op num- uh, co-op percentages where, you know, most mm-hmm. of the students there get co-op jobs and it's co-op jobs that really fit in with the program itself. So that was a big um, draw towards it. Um, obviously, you wanted to be as specific as possible, you know, yeah. in, in picking a program. So, as you know, as part of having control over what you want to do, what if there are some young students who aren't entirely sure of what they even like and run the risk of um, drilling down to a program that's too specific. And then when they're in, they, you know, they realize that they don't like what they're studying and right. then it's hard to, you know, transfer to um, another, another program. You know, do you run the risk of going too specific? I, I think definitely. Yes. There is, you know, always going to be, extreme ends of situations where it's always going to have a more negative impact than anything, right? Um, I think like anything, you know, picking your university degree, it's a big decision. And there's always definitely going to be an issue of finding balance between being too specific or being too flexible, right? Um, I guess some advice would be is definitely doing research. Uh, It's like the best I could offer because what I looked into, like the specific requirements that I looked to when I was researching my program was one, um, what does this program really focus on? Um, so this program focuses on political science specifically and policy. But mm-hmm. the second thing I looked for was what are some alternatives to it? Um, what are some, you know, back backdoor opportunities, I guess I could mm-hmm. say, um, that could lead to other fields of study if I if this program didn't work out right. So I looked yeah. into that and the program, luckily enough, had even more specializations in it. So, you know, I think you could study economic policy, which is what I'm doing. You could also study international relations or social policy or communications. And so that to me was uh, interesting because it had structure, but it also had flexibility. I think if kids were uh, different kids in high school are looking into programs, you definitely want to try to find programs that, you know, are, have a specific focus, but definitely don't 
limit you, right? So you want to have programs that branch out to other fields of study too. If structure is something that scares you, being too structured, um, and you're afraid that, you know, if you go into the program after a few years, you might not actually want to be in that program, then definitely looking for alternatives or programs that focus more on a broad approach is definitely something that you should look into, right? Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I I feel like it, it was nice because you you knew what you liked and what you were, you gravitated towards, and you just had to connect that with um, the opportunities available um, in different schools. Um, but my question is, how can young people and young students figure out what they're truly passionate about? And you know, the word "truly" is really important because I feel like a lot of people they they get pressured into specific things to like um so for example like a doctor like you know the typical um you know professions right doctor lawyer um engineer and and then they they feel like they like it and then they realize they don't when they're actually in the program and i say that because um you know i only studied engineering because uh, i gravitated towards it thinking that it was a cool profession um, you know, you get you get a license, and you know it's held in um, uh, high honor in history and society because engineers are, you know, they they invent the world. And I th- I thought that it was something that was really cool. Um, I wouldn't say that I, I knew too much about it, um, but I was lucky because um, once I started studying it, I I liked it more and more. I knew that I always liked studying math and physics in high school, so that helped. Um, but I wouldn't say I was like truly, truly like passionate about it. I knew, I knew that I was going to do it for my entire life, right? Um, going into post-secondary. Um, so for high schoolers, how, how do they figure out what they're truly, truly passionate about, Jesse? I'd say that's a tough question because my perspective on that question would be, you know, everyone's interest changes from time to time. Definitely over your whole life, you will have certain peaks and moments you know where you might be extremely interested in one thing but later on it might fizzle out or you know it might not you might be more interested in something else yeah. right yeah. and so the way i've gone about tackling that issue is i've always tried to look at it in the long term um and i i guess it's a more fortunate way of looking at it but for me i've always had a more um i guess ambitious perspective on life where i knew that I would have this, I have this whole life ahead of me, right? Like my life isn't just limited to the four years of university. And then after university, after I get my degree, I'm like limited to this one job, depending on what my university degree is, right? For me, it's always been, if I go into one direction that I'm interested in now, study it and then do a little bit of it in the future, like whatever career path that my university degree allows me to do, uh, I still have so much more time in my life to be able to study other things too. Right. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of misconception about university and about educate higher education is that um, you people think that, you know, you can only have one degree in your life or like you can only study one thing in your life uh, and you're restricted to that for the rest of your life. But that's not entirely true. Right. Um, Especially with online courses now and, you know, the Internet being so extremely useful. There's so many different ways you can learn new skills and explore new talents and new you know hobbies that you might enjoy. For high school kids especially, um, if you haven't done extracurriculars, if you haven't tried out a lot of different courses at your school, you know, I think I would recommend going online, looking up things, um, 
like online courses, um, like online videos that sort of touch on what a certain study actually does or what it actually learned from it, right? Mm-hmm. And beyond that, too, I would also say try to reach out to people who are in that profession, too, um, because the best way to learn about something, especially if it's um, a field of study, is definitely talking to people who've actually been through that field of study, too, right? Mm-hmm. Jesse, I really like the fact that you put the responsibility back onto the individual when you give this advice. I think a lot of um, young students, um, when they're struggling with um, you know, what they're really passionate about and what to study, um, some people tend to blame the environment that they're in, you know, the school system or the teachers and um, you know, the parents or family. Um, but I like how all the advice that you give is really individualized. It's internal. You know, you have to do more work to learn about what's available, do more research because the internet is is readily available. Yeah. And I feel like that's really uh, that's really good advice because at the end of the at the end of the day, it's it's just you and yourself. Like it, you, your path and your journey isn't the responsibility of someone else's, and you really have to take charge. Yep. And secondly, I I, I think that. Um, and you're right, like people need to um, be open-minded about what they'll end up doing because it, it sucks. Um, people view that the four years of university or college is um, it's sort of like set in stone, like the rest of their life, right? The rest of their life, what they're going to do, um, it's decided by these four years. And I feel like that's a really scary notion um, because like you said, people change, passions change, interests change. Um, circumstances change. Um, you can't have four years of schooling determine what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So I think you and I have a really similar value, and that's lifelong learning, right? That you always be a student of of life and 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 the journey that you're on, and understanding that um, you can do whatever you want um, as long as you overcome that fear and uncertainty to go try it out. And I feel like that's such a beautiful thing because if life was just set in stone and we determine um, all the, um, you know, if we determine decades of our lives just from the four years, then there's really no meaning to to living your life fully, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of students, especially like high school students and younger students think that way is because, you know, they've only known, they've, they've only been what alive for like 19 years going into university or 18 years. And so four years to them, four years to the 18 years that they've been alive, it's already, it's like, it's quite an enormous amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look forward in time, you know, you have probably, hopefully, luckily enough, maybe you'll live up to 100 years old, you know, four years is not a lot compared to that amount of time, right? Um, you know, this year, you became a writer for the Kroger Policy Review, which is a youth-led digital publication that makes um, public policy content more understandable for Canadians. Um, how has this experience been for you so far? Uh, it's been great. It's, so it's a student, um, I guess, led organization that we just started this year. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was lucky enough to be asked on to the team as a contributing writer um, by one of the uh, sorry, one of the found co-founders, right? And so that was something that I wanted to explore more in because uh, even though that I'm currently studying economic policy, there is so much that I haven't learned, especially since I'm only just starting into second year, right? So I figured that would be a good opportunity for me to learn not just from other writers, but definitely upper years too on their experiences, on their lessons that they learned throughout university and their careers too. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know, obviously, this is sort of an extracurricular for you. Um, why is it important for you to sort of um, participate in in this um, publication, um, where you're sort of having this creative outlet as well, right? Based on you know what you're studying in terms of policy, um, and what's happening in our country. Why is it important for you to really connect with um, the community around you through writing? I think for me, it's writing has always been something that I'm passionate about. Um, that being said, of course, like you know, writing for university courses is another beast to tackle that I'm not exactly the best at. But um, I think writing for me has always been a way of expressing my thoughts, in a sense. Um, so going back to the, your question, I think participating in the extracurricular was important to me because education is, for me, I think, is not enough. Um, personally, I think if you stand by and just do the bare minimum, you're not going to get far in life. And so for me, the idea of extracurriculars is uh, really beneficial for students, especially uh, not just in university, but in high school too, right? It's because extracurriculars help you pr provide other opportunities for you to learn other lessons that you're not going to learn in high school or school in general. Um, mm -hmm. That's why I like to explore these, I guess, opportunities um, because there's just so much you can learn from that's not defined by uh, a certain, I guess, course syllabus, right? You know, there's so many different soft skills and hard, technically hard skills too that you can learn from, not just from the work that you put out there while you're doing that extracurricular, but also the lessons you can learn from the people also involved. For sure, yeah, and I totally agree. You know, for for me, I the the. Uh, for me, the most value that I got um, in terms of schooling was through extracurricular activities, um, ironically, because um, it really um, challenged me in terms of applying my values and skills um, to, you know, that particular thing that I was doing, whereas school was really spoon feeding the theory and, you know, uh, what you need to know. Um, so through extracurriculars, that's where I really um, noticed where my strengths and weaknesses are, where I learned more about myself you know, and how I you know, worked in a team and what I liked and what I disliked. And I found that very, very valuable because um, it's just sitting in a classroom won't tell you about yourself. Um, you, you'll, you'll, feel, you'll feel really crappy when you, you get a bad exam mark and when you're struggling with the material, but that's not really learning about um, who you truly are and what you're truly passionate about. And so that's why, that's why I've, I value um, participating in, in stuff outside of school. Yeah, exactly. And I would mm -hmm. ask, I guess, um, Calvin, did you, mm -hmm. what sort of extracurriculars, I guess, help push you towards your, um, choice of education? Well, uh, well, one of the most defining moments, well, it's not even a moment. It's, you know, close to a decade is spending seven years in the air cadets program. And, um, for those who don't know, it's sort of like a youth organization, um, uh, administered by the Department of National Defense, um, where they teach young um, students, you know, about uh, Canadian values, about the, the military, and about leadership. And I was an air cadet, so aviation as well. And that's where I really got the opportunity to participate in the team. Um, you know, it was like 200 people in our unit, um, but also eventually become a leader, become squadron commander and uh, really seeing the big picture of how to manage an organization um, in, in, of course, in a, in a micro uh, way. Um, and also really exploring the aviation side of things. And that's where I 
decided to go um, earn my pilot's license, um, you know, flying a Cessna 172. And um, as I was flying, I was like, well, you know, I might as well go learn about um, the airplane, how all the engine and everything works, how the aerodynamic works. Um, so I decided to apply for engineering with a goal of um, setting mechanical engineering in mind. And so that, um, that to me is how I decided to go into engineering. And that wasn't through, you know, classroom exercises at all. It was through meeting people, other people who's passionate about aviation, getting opportunities in the air cadet program, you know, to run events, to manage a team, um, that sort of stuff where I learned about my interpersonal skills and values. Um, so, you know, to your question, that's how I related what I learned about myself in the extracurriculars back to um, what I want to study in university. We're nearing the tail end of part one of our conversation in this episode. Um, to end off, I wanted to ask um, for students that are currently in you know, grade 10, 11, or maybe even grade 12, right? They're, they're about to apply to college. Um, what are the steps that they need to take? Like for someone who's, who's maybe they're unsure, they're in, they're in grade 10 or 11, they're unsure that uh, what they're passionate about, uh, what they want to study, where do they start? I think uh, the first step is if you haven't already, definitely try to figure out what your interests are, right? That's the biggest thing that you need to know, is I think, personally. Like you have to understand what it is you're interested in before you start looking into, you know, the different types of programs you want to get into and the different type of universities you want to apply to, right? Because if you don't know what you want to do, you know, what's the point, right? Why, why would you necessarily want to spend, um, I guess, thousands of dollars and I guess years of your time going into the degree or a program that, you know, you might not end up using or want to go into, right? I think that's the thing that I have issue with, that with the current system of education i guess it's that kids these days feel so pressured just by you know society and different by us their peers as well as you know the past uh you know alumni of their school that they have to go into university to succeed at life and that to me is really upsetting in a way because you know you see so many kids um going into programs and then you know realizing that this is not something that i want to do for, for the rest of their life right and so if you haven't already Go find extracurriculars, go out and search them either in your school or your community, you know, different clubs, different youth programs, different youth organizations to help you try to expand um, your own understanding of the world and what your own hobbies, passions and interests are, right? Um, beyond that, it's not just about, you know, participating in these clubs. It's also about the people too. Um, there's so many different people you can meet in your life, so many different people out on the internet, on LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, uh, just around the world, you know, your school alumni too. Um, and so many of these different people have their own stories and their own experiences that they can, and they were, I'm pretty sure they're more than happy to share with you. Right. And so with that, you have, I, I'm not saying that, you know, going into extracurriculars or talking to people is going to very much so help you decide what you want to do, but it definitely opens up the opportunity for you to do so. Right. It definitely expands the percentage or the chance that you will actually find out what it is you're interested in. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and from my point of view, I think uh, coming up with a game plan, um, it, it never hurts to think about your five-year, I usually do the half-decade um, thing, right? Like think about five years ahead, um, what you want to do, um, what you want to achieve and, and know about cool. in the five years. Because I think that it's important to have um, a game plan 
and an exit plan of whatever you're exploring, right? If you're still in grade 10 and you're a couple years away from sending in your applications, I think it like if you start exploring the really like the different things that you're you think you're passionate about, um, it might end up like a crapshoot, right? You're you're so disorganized and um, sometimes you you get too busy and you lose interest in many different things altogether. Mm-hmm. So I think um, having an exit plan, so like by this day, um, you know, in six months, I want to have a more clarity on um, whether I actually like this thing or not, and then and then continue or quit from there. Um, so I feel like it's important to have to think ahead and have a game plan um, so that you don't end up, you know, feeling like it's all a mess at the end. Exactly. And it's definitely important in your game plan, especially to list out the resources that you have, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much for uh, spending the time and um, giving advice for young students um, who are really exploring their interests right now and thinking about applying to, you know, universities and colleges. It's a really important time in our lives. It's life changing. Um, But, you know, this is only part one of our conversation. Next week, we're going to come back and talk about relationships, you know, how we go about and meet new people, um, approach people and network. You know, as young people, it might be daunting to to talk to experienced professionals who are much older than us. And, um, you know, you have some insight on that. And obviously, we're going to also talk about um, your podcast, The Uncooked Rice Show, and what we can um, expect um, for season two of your podcast. So um, before we end off, would you like to um, tell listeners where they can find um, your podcast social media? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So... Uh, well, my, I'll start with my personal Instagram is, well, personal contact information is Jesse Jaycee. Um I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, so you can find me there. And for my podcast, The Uncooked Rice Show, uh, we're just on Instagram at The Uncooked, at Uncooked Rice Show. Perfect. So uh, we'll come back next week and we'll have part two of our conversation with Jesse Xie. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Novice Experience. Our theme song is Concrete Jungle by Audio Binger. You can find us or reach out on social media at The Novice Exp. That's The Novice EXP. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on all your podcast listening platforms. Talk to you next time.